Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. If you have a plus-sized teen struggling with her body image or feeling accepted, this episode is for you. Thanks to media, advertising, and the ever-growing weight loss industry, we live in a society that believes that thinner is better. This has led to an increase in eating disorders for both women and men, and eating disorders has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. So it does not equate to healthy. So to counter this dangerous trend, many are trying to reignite the body positive movement, which was actually first launched in the 60s. And this goal is to shift the focus from this thin as the image of health to the acceptance and celebration of all sizes and weights. But we still have a long way to go. So today I'm joined by Pam Luck, the founder of Ember and Ace, an athletic wear brand exclusively for plus side kids, who she calls labels PSKs. Growing up playing sports, Pam learned firsthand the importance of having active wear that fits. Not finding it is one of the reasons kids abandon the sports and activities they love. So today, Pam is going to teach us how to help our teens develop a positive body image regardless and especially with their size. So welcome, Pam. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here today. I am too. And we started rattling to begin with, so I want to get into it. But first, Pam, tell us a little bit of how you got focused and kind of your backstory and how you got focused on helping plus-sized kids, especially athletes. Sure. So I have been plus-sized my whole life. Um, and so I grew up, I loved soccer. I loved to dance. And as I got to be a teenager, I started to struggle to find clothing that fits. I remember in being in high school, having to go into the men's section, try to find, I was a goalkeeper. So trying to find goalie shirt and pants that fit and at 17, wandering into the men's section at the sporting goods store is not fun. And so struggled to find leotards for dance. And fast forward 30 years, I have a teenager now. I have a 13-year-old daughter, and we're struggling to find leotards for her, and she loves dance. And so I said, how is this still a problem 30 years after I experienced it? So it's something that I understand and have experienced. It's something I'm super passionate about because these kids do enjoy sports and physical activity it's but there's nothing for them to wear so I said well I can this is a problem I can solve like I don't have to go back to school to get a degree <laughs> to solve this problem it's just I need to take it on so started partnering with some people with great industry experience because I don't have manufacturing or apparel experience and just said we need to do this and so I put worked with a pattern maker we've come up with five designs and raised funds on Kickstarter and so this is happening and I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, that's wonderful. And I, I'm so glad there's advocates out there and we're talking about this. It's interesting to me though, because, and as we were discussing right beforehand, this belief of thin as beauty and thin as health is not just women anymore too. It's men. Like the growth of eating disorders with men has grown 
because we're trying to make our bodies be something that they're not supposed to be, right? It's like we're, and, and it's interesting because the level of thinness that we're expecting to be isn't healthy, but yet we still pride that. And I still believe there is so much still size. Is it size ism or size? What is, I don't even know. Like there's just this belief that if you have, weight on you if you've got curves that that's bad like you're mm-hmm. getting teased and i see kids that are have struggling with food struggling with their body image and feeling like they're fat and i'm and, and their value is based off that and right. so i'm really struggling on how do we start changing the story when it's so deeply ingrained in our culture yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's a really, it's a really big task. And I think that's part of where we start is understanding that to your point, um, the United States in particular is steeped in diet culture. Yeah. You know, I'm a Gen Xer and I think we were raised, there were a multitude of diets that I could rattle off for you that were popular as I was, you know, growing up. And I think there have been things that have made the challenge even more difficult. I would say, you know, the advent of social media um, has really sort of we've seen the impacts that it's having on teenage and particularly teenage girls. And so I think we all have a lot of work to do to start to understand where some of these biases are coming from. And I think it's challenging because, uh, you know, there was the big, when they declared the obesity epidemic epidemic a few years ago, and, you know, really when you dig in on the science there, there's a lot of people that are doing tremendous work. And I encourage people to go and read some of the work that's being done around really taking apart that information, which was not really an accurate study that was done. But I think we all need to start with understanding that you can't understand someone's health just by looking at them. Yes. I think that is the key right there. And so we need to stop thinking that when we look at a body that's based on size alone, we can understand what's going on internally. And I think I remember, you know, reading a post from a woman and it stuck with me because she said, when I was at the absolute height of my eating disorder was when people were telling me that I looked amazing. So I think part of it is we'd also don't understand the reasons behind when someone is thin and it could be people that are at the absolute height of of disordered eating. It could be people that are having trauma and things in their life that have led to this weight loss. So I feel like there's two things. One, you can't understand someone's health just by looking at them. And two, we need to stop commenting on individual bodies. Yeah. And I feel like if we could do those two things to start then that gives us an opportunity to sort of step back and just sort of pull back from that diet culture being everywhere and everything. And the thing that we talk about asking about body weight, asking about what you're doing to lose weight, you know, noticing body changes and commenting on them. And if we could just do those two things, I think that would be a big step forward. Um, I, I think you mentioned social media. And one of the things I actually have found on the opposite side is there is so much out there of these growing influencers who are different weights, right? Different sizes, different looks and everything else that are really gaining a lot of momentum and making kids feel like I'm okay how I am. And I think that's one of the things because I'll talk to kids who, you know, young kids who are on diets 
And I yeah. asked them, and, you know, why are you doing that? And she, they're like, because I want to feel confident in who I am. And I said, well, how thin do you need to be to feel confident? And they don't have an answer. And I say, you know, we talk about it, and I go, the problem I'm worried about is that you'll never get to the weight where you suddenly feel confident because it's not about your weight, right? It's, it's right. about something else and feeling that need. And so we have this belief, and I think adults have this belief, that if we just get to the right size, we'll be happy and we'll be okay. And what's making us miserable is the fact that we're so obsessed with trying to be the right size. Um, so, like, what do you have to say to people that are not comfortable in their own skin? How do we become comfortable in our skin regardless of what everyone else is telling us? Well, I think you touched on something that can be super helpful. And, I, and you know, we all know social media is super challenging in terms of you can very easily and very quickly get exposed to the wrong kind of social media feeds and, and influencers, but you can also seek out and curate a feed that includes diverse bodies. And so you can, if you don't know who to follow, go look at Ember and Aces, who, I, who Ember and Ace follows. There are a tremendous number of plus size athletes and influencers that I follow, because I think for starters, you need to see bodies that are bigger doing activities that they love and doing them well and successfully right? These, there are plus size athletes that surf, hike, bike, dance, run marathons. And so I think part of it is just changing what you're seeing on a daily basis, right? If all you're seeing is say, for example, models who are probably some of the smallest, and there are a larger number of plus size models now, but the bulk of them are all size twos. If that's what your feed consists of, then I think it's time to maybe start curating and seeing more diverse bodies in your, in your social media feeds. And that can start to change sort of your perceptions of what bigger bodies can do. And that there, we do actually move our bodies and we get married and we have children and we're happy and we have successful careers. And so I think people need to see more of that um, in their feed for sure. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I, you know, I, I sit there and I think about um, even like the people I know and, and what you see about trying to maintain their health or their weight because it's seen as healthy and they're smoking and taking diet pills and starving themselves and doing all the things. And then I see people that have have more weight on them and they're eating really healthy and they're really athletic. And they're so I agree. I think we've got this very strange opinion just by looking at a body of what that means. Right. How do we start relaying this to our kids and how do we help our kids start developing a positive body image that doesn't have to do with them trying to fit into this very tiny, mostly unhealthy expectation? Right. I mean, it's it's time for maybe a hard truth and here we go. Um, how do you talk about your own body? Because your children hear everything. So how are you talking about your own body? How are you talking about other people's bodies? Celebrities that you see, people that you saw at the high school reunion, coworkers, right? How are you making comments that maybe you're not aware of, but our kids hear everything? So I know it's hard 
especially if you're making comments about your own body to sort of break that cycle. But I would challenge people to start by, let's just not talk about individual bodies. We have to have body conversations with our children, but I think we can have them in a way that's not derogatory toward their body or your own body. And so starting with getting to a place, because I think a lot of people just, we've internalized so much um, with anti-fat bias and diet culture that we've internalized so much that it just comes out. And so trying to just be a little bit more aware of what's what you're saying about your own body Um, and maybe challenging your own ideas about, you know, what, what it means to be healthy and what it means to be in a bigger body. And this is where seeing bigger bodies doing things like running marathons successfully or surfing or diving, you know, seeing people doing these things, you're like, maybe I have some inaccurate ideas about what people in bigger bodies can do and still slowly starting to kind of shift um, that perspective. And I think I would also say this, I think we, this is a big, much bigger conversation, but we also need to have a serious conversation about health because no one has promised health at all. And I think COVID has taught us that, right? There is no promise of health at any body size. And so, and the one thing we know is that bodies are constantly changing. And that's the one thing I think that's really hard, right? Even if you were doing something that was successfully keeping you at a certain weight for a number of years, you know, pregnancy, childbirth, menopause, puberty, all these things continually change your body. So how can you get to a place where as your body starts to change that you're able to sort of move through that with a little bit more ease? So I think it really just starts with stop talking about your body in a in a negative way and stop talking about other people's bodies in a negative way and really start to think about the messages that you're ingesting on a daily basis and how can you change the messages that you're taking in and that will slowly start to shift perspective I think yeah I I couldn't agree more with the how you talk about your own body because that's how kids are learning and talking about your kids bodies too and I think here's one of the biggest explanations of why I've heard parents that get very worried about their kids weight they don't want them to be bullied yeah Talk to me about that fear. I think it's it's a legitimate fear because I think, as we all know, bullying's a problem. And I will also say it's still sort of okay yeah. to bully fat people because we do it to adults as well, because we somehow think that we are we we're bought into this narrative that I have complete control over what goes on with my body and the size of my body is due to a lack of self-control and things that I have control over. And that's just not an accurate narrative, but it's still okay to come after fat people. And I think that's part of the problem. Um, But this is also where I feel like keeping kids in bigger bodies more included socially. And this goes back to getting them involved in activities and sports and trying to keep these kids engaged because a lot of these kids drop out and they don't do these activities and so they're not part of that social circle and that's what a lot of these activities are it's not about you becoming an amazing professional athlete it's about building community and being connected and so I feel like you can if when you have friends in bigger bodies when you have classmates and teammates and people that you understand and get to know as something more than just a body size, I think that can make a difference when you start to see these people as, as individual people with feelings. Right. And so I think a lot of it is 
how do we keep these kids engaged, particularly when they're young and stay connected to their classmates and friends, um, particularly during puberty when bodies start to change? Because I do think that connection is an important piece. So there's two things there I want to kind of pull out. And one is, um, and I'm going to forget the other one now that I say one, two. But one is the fact that, you know, we kind of reinforce these stereotypes because we don't make it safe for plus-size kids to do the very things that would make them feel more accepted and make people see they're human beings. You know, they've got the same yeah. feelings. They're, I, I think we see there and we... we put this different belief on them. And so by, by shaming them out of doing these things, we keep them outside of those circles. And so we maintain this sense of isolation, right? So we're, we're fueling that just by not accepting them. So that's the first thing. And now I'm going to try to remember the second thing. And of course, now I'm forgetting it now that I said I was going to forget it. It was really good. No. So um, I'll think of it in a second. You will. And think, since when is like shame ever solved any problem, by the way? Since when has shame ever solved anything? I know. It is so, so hard to do. And I I think it's the other thing is really understanding that when we try to protect our kids from bullying, and I see this with a lot of different things, weight is one of them, we end up being the bully because Mm -hmm. we're not accepting them for who they are in an effort to try to shame or change, make them change to fit in what is acceptable. And so the very person that could give them the foundation to withstand other people not accepting them is the very person that is not accepting them and shaming them. And that's what makes that so much more difficult to move forward is that the people that are supposed to love you unconditionally are expecting you to fit into a social norm that's not who you are. And so we're contorting ourselves almost Mm. literally at this point, right? To fit into this expectation rather than saying, I'm okay who I am. Yeah. And I think a lot of us carry with us, particularly if you've had any weight struggles at any point in your life, um, a memory of that feeling. And I think, you know, even for parents that I try to have empathy for folks that do sort of want their children to lose weight, even though I don't think that that's a helpful approach. I have a tremendous amount of empathy for wanting, you really at the end of the day are trying to protect your child because you understand what it's like to navigate life in a bigger body. And it's not easy, not even as an adult. Um, And so I understand this, You're in some ways you see it as a way to protect your child in some ways from these difficult, if they could just maybe, if you feel like if you could stop it right here, then maybe it would protect them. So I, I, I think in a lot of ways, people's hearts are in the right place. And I don't, and so it's starting from that point of conversation and saying, look, I understand that you want to protect your child, but at the end of the day, so many of the factors of what your body size is going to be are beyond your control. They really are. Um, And so what we need to do is shift toward, you know, let's make, let's be curious about what makes you feel good in your body. And that's a really good place to start. I think with kids is what makes you feel good? What makes you feel strong? Yeah. Yeah. And sort of what can this body do for you that you feel good about and sort of trying to change the conversation from all the things that you feel like are not right. Right. 
I don't have the right size and my waist is too big. My, this is too, whatever. Let's shift the conversation and talk a little bit more about what are the things you love to do and what makes you feel good in your body and what makes you feel strong in your body. And having clothing that fit is also a piece of that conversation, right? Cause I think we've all had that moment where you put on a pair of pants, maybe that from you dug them out of the closet and after summer ended and you're reaching for your fall wardrobe and you can't button them. And so that that's a trigger as well for sort of not feeling great, but it's like, you know what, it's just, let's get a new pair. Let's get a pair that fit you well, that you feel good in, that you like, that are comfortable, that you can move in. And so I feel like sort of shifting and thinking more about the things that um, make you feel good in your body. And let's really try to focus in on those things. Yeah. And I just want to share too, at the risk of my daughter actually listens to some of these, which I think is cool, but also funny, Um, (laughs) but at the risk she is not a tall person. She's Guatemalan, right? And so she has curves and she's absolutely beautiful. And she's got one of the strongest um, body images of anyone I know. Like she is so comfortable in her body. And as I was telling you, we went to the doctor's office and for the first time, the doctor said from the right perspective, but you know, I'm worried about the ratio of your weight versus your height. And my daughter usually is, she, first of all, eats healthier than I do. She's extremely focused on eating healthy and very proud of eating healthy and reads ingredients and does all of that. She gets out there and walks and she was even running and doing all, you know, going and jogging and doing all these things and feeling just really good about her body. And we came home and she was devastated. And she's like, mom, I know, like our kids know what they look like. They know their comparison. She's like, I know I'm doing everything I know. Right. And I'm like, I know you do. The next day she didn't run. She didn't do the things that makes her feel good. She just felt shame. And so it really took us talking and getting excited and just talking about eating healthy again and feeling the energy and being proud about our bodies to start to regain her out of that funk. But the reason I bring that up is the shaming, and that's not what the doctor meant at all. I know that's not what the doctor meant at all. And I actually jumped on the bandwagon, to be honest, because I have those same beliefs that I've always grown up with, right? And as much as I try to be quiet about my body, I still have a lot of those conversations in my head, right? And I'm doing Mm -hmm. everything I can to protect my daughter from that. Mm -hmm. And so I jumped on it too. And I was like, I need to jump back and go back to where we were. And I want to say this because I think it's really important that, and you had mentioned the shame too, is that it does not motivate them to change. It makes them feel shameful for who they are, which demotivates them to be healthy. Focusing on being healthy and focusing them on being beautiful as they are and finding clothes that fit them as they are, which mm-hmm. you do, that's what builds their confidence. And that's what parents want is them to build confidence. And I think we're kind of going about it the wrong way. We're trying to change them to be more confident rather than helping them love who they are, which is what creates confidence. Right. And I feel like it sort of continues this narrative of I'm in control of a lot of the changes in my body. Like I have control over the size of my body. And I think that, you know, genetics has played a huge role. And that's, I think some of what your daughter's experienced, right? 
the people that she's from. (laughs) She's very, she is her body, right? And it's beautiful. It's not the American super slender version. And I I think it's, um, I remember teaching a, a, once when I was teaching adolescent psychology and I had one girl in my class who was tall, thin, beautiful, and she started sharing. She was from Russia. And she said, I was made fun of my whole life for being so thin because that's not what is deemed as beautiful in Russia. And so my whole lesson from that was it's not your body. You just need to find the culture that appreciates your body and move there. So, you know, and that's what I think is interesting is in America, we have this vision, but if you go to a different country, the vision of beauty is completely different. Right. And there was a very, it's, it is very cultural and it does change over time. And I think there's a lot of people that have written particularly about this topic. And I think um, oftentimes the most desirable body is the most unattainable, right? So there was a point in time where my body was um, seen as the one that you coveted because it was pale and it was big, which meant I wasn't outside working in the fields. Right. Right. And you had plenty. And I had plenty to eat. Right. So I think pictures and you look at pictures from them and the women are all plus size. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Because we were wealthy and we stayed inside and this is what the, that body would look like. So I think it's interesting to sort of, I think there's a, I struggle with, I mean, the medical community and and how fat people are treated within the medical community is Uh, another area that's, there's a tremendous amount of work to do. And I think what I would suggest for parents who are hearing these things from their doctors, I will say this, I think you can also advocate now. Um, I advocate for my daughter. I'm like, there will be no talk of BMI. If you, you know, if we want to do a weigh-in, you can record her weight but if you want to have conversations about that you're going to talk to me and she's not going to be involved in that conversation because of exactly what you experienced because I think to your point we're still very very focused on weight versus how are you moving your body and what are the things that you're doing to take good care of your body and those are the conversations that we need to be having and it includes the types of food you're eating it includes hydration it includes movement it includes sleep It includes the kind of media you're ingesting. And so those are the conversations that I would like to see us having as opposed to how many pounds there are on the scale. And there are, and I will also say this, that I've, you know, learned from a lot of the reading that I do, particularly in the fat justice community. So the only solution we kind of currently have for weight loss is dieting, but the failure rate roughly two years out is over 80%. And you go out even further than that, the failure rate is 90%. So is that really a solution? <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people tend to gain back more weight after they go on a weight loss journey. I think we need to have more studies around what weight cycling does to the human body. And so yeah. you're suggesting something that has a, in any other scenario, if something had a failure rate above 80 or 90%, you wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, so right. why, are, why are we, why are we continuing to recommend that today? I mean, and it, I, I think it is just so strongly instilled in our psyche and our social norms that yeah. it's, I, I can already sense people struggling 
with even yeah. hearing this and arguing against it for all the very reasons that we've been taught. Right. And I think that's the hardest part. And it's like the belief that our body, if we're doing all the right, we're eating healthy, that's key, right? We're sleeping, we're drinking water. And if what our body's weight is naturally is the weight our body should be is my guess, maybe I'm wrong. But right, mm -hmm. it's like letting your body do what it's supposed to do rather than constantly fighting your body and doing unhealthy things to your body to fit into a social norm that has been designated as what's right. That's the question I have for people to kind of think about. Right. What are we doing? And I would, I would just add to that, you know, I think we need to consider particularly where children are involved. Oh, and I, I think for adults, but, you know, particularly for children, we have to come from a place of compassion first yes. and foremost. And so when you are saying these terrible things to children, yours or other ways, other, you know, that's not leading from a place of compassion. And so I think that's what I would ask of people, even if it's not something that you sort of have understand or embrace or agree with, can we all decide together that I'm going to try to be more compassionate and understanding that this is a human being yeah. and the things that I'm saying are hurtful. Yeah. And so maybe we can start there yeah. and decide together that we're not going to do that anymore. I agree. I, I mean, one way to look at this is even what if one day, and it, it kind of is like height, and suddenly you're biased against short people because height being tall is the right thing. And people start stretching themselves and doing all, which people have, right. right? People have done that. And it's kind of the equivalent in a way. And I think people are like, oh no, cause it's about eating, but it's not always right. There are mm -hmm. times where it can be, but it's not always. And I think it's about, and I know a lot of thin people who eat total crap. <laughs> Their mm -hmm. bodies just have different metabolisms. Right. So again, it is not about, um, it's not necessarily about, it's not about choice, right? It's about who right. you are or, you know, saying if you have brown eyes, it's terrible. So everyone's putting in contacts, right? It's right. changing your body of how it's naturally is to fit the norm. And that's, I think, looking at a different way. And I think weight is the one that seems to be the one that people have the most judgment about for sure. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is based on the idea that I think that we've tied up a lot of other things with fatness. And that's another piece that yeah. we need to work on untangling. Um, and that's why the word fat is so hurtful still to a lot of people, because there are so many other things that we've sort of attached to that word. Um, laziness, yeah. ignorance, stupidity unworthiness, right? There are all these other things that we've attached to that word. And so part of it is just starting to, to pull away those things and say, you know, fat is just going to be the opposite of thin. You have more fat on your body and you, or you have less fat on your body. And those that's really what it is. And so really taking a look at all these other things that we've attached to fatness, because that's what people really don't, right. that's the piece that they don't want they don't want to be seen as stupid lazy unworthy unlovable all the other things that we think about when you think about pathetic right all these things yeah. that that I think people immediately attach to that and that's I think what a lot of folks are 
particularly sort of pushing back against. So part of it is how do we just start to separate that back out to be just a descriptor of a body versus being seen as an indictment, right? uh, That is, that is such a key important piece. Absolutely. Like we're, we're creating an entire judgment of somebody and everything about them based off of one feature one feature, we're making all these assumptions about somebody and we make negative or positive. We make positive assumptions about people that are tall and thin, yeah. which are not true, you know? Like we're giving them the benefit, all these wonderful attributes because of one thing of how they look. And I think you're right. That is something we really need to consider. And when it comes to our kids, we know all the other stuff. How do we make sure that we know that their value is about everything yeah. and not reduced to something? Yeah. Pam, thank you so much. So, so much. What is one key takeaway you want to make sure parents listening are going to have from this, from this discussion? I think I would say, I would say to the parents what I would say to their children, because I think there's a lot of adults that need to hear this. Bodies change all the time and some of it you can impact and some of it you can't and some of it you'll like and some of it you won't, but all bodies are good bodies and all bodies are valuable. Yeah. Thank you so much, Pam. I am so grateful you could join us today. Thank you so much. And thank you parents for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I really appreciate you too. And if you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. And I will have all the information about Pam Luck and her company and her plus size athletic clothing line um, in all the show notes. And so until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.